Hey, this is Felicia Day, and you're listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBB Podcast, as well as wherever you could get your podcast from. How are you doing this week, Jamie? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. When I was telling people uh, that we had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on, my parents both were like, oh, awesome, cool. But then when I tell my family, like Sarah doesn't know basketball. So she's just like, oh, cool. He's he's a basketball. Like she knew who he was. But mm-hmm. but when I tell my kids, they instantly know who he is. And you're never going to believe why, Jamie. And you're going to and this is going to serve you correct wrong because of how much you made fun of this show. <laughs> Wait, no, he was he, on Mr. Tickle. <laughs> no, he was not on Mr. Dress Up. He oh. was on. He was on an episode of Full House. Oh no, he was not. Really, he was. He was on Full House. He he played. Um, they were having like a charity basketball tournament, and Uncle Jesse didn't know how to play, and Kareem was the ref, and he taught him how to shoot a basketball. He was on the whole episode, and he ref the. But it was just the one episode, right? Yes, of course. And that's yeah. how your kids know him. That's how they know him. Wow. I mean, they're they're seven and ten. It's not like uh, they're not like up on their NBA history right now. But <laughs> uh, well, that's good. They know him. That that's impressive. That you know they're that big of Full House fans that they know they're all of the guest huge stars. Full House. They're huge Full House fans. Wait, Anna I, instantly goes, "Wait, he was on Full House." Are they really Full House fans, or is it you pushing it on them? <laughs> A bit of both. All right. But yes, Kareem, can you believe it? So when we started this, like what, three and a half years ago, did you ever think yeah. we'd get Kareem on no. the show? <laughs> no, because we've had, I don't think we've had any sports. This is the, he was our first sports, our, our first athlete, really. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and we didn't just go like for, for our first athlete, we just didn't get like some mid, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, some, we some, went for like the greatest basketball player the, of all time. Of all time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we got a lot to live up to. Like, so if you come at me and you're like, oh, we got Antoine something, Antoine Walker, I'm just going to be like, dude, we had Kareem. We had Kareem. What do you, it's like, <laughs> those are literally big shoes to fill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yes, I mean, like, I, I don't know if I need to do an introduction here. Like, Kareem, right. like he really is the greatest basketball player of all time. You know, I mean, like, he played for twenty years, and mm-hmm. there's probably not a record that he didn't hold at one point. If he's not still holding it now, um, I mean, just go to. I mean, 
cripes, I'm not one to really just quote from Wikipedia, but like go to his Wikipedia page and like the first two paragraphs are just all the records that he owns and all of the, mm-hmm. all of the amazing things that he did just as a basketball player. Um, but he had, a, he's had an incredible life, you know, on and off the court. And so he's, he's since retiring um, and, and mo- really within the last 10 years or so, like he's really turned into an author. He's put out a lot of books. They're not just, you know, a lot of athletes will then will come out with like a memoir, you know, like how they became the star that they were. And he's done that. But he's also written novels. He's written graphic novels about Mycroft Holmes, Sherlock Holmes' brother. Um, you know, he's written a lot of books, and he, uh, you know, he it's it's a natural thing for him. He, you know, I just read um, his newest book is Becoming Kareem, and we talk about this. It's a young adult um, memoir, so it's I don't even know if you would call it young adult. It's really it's really aimed at like middle grade, middle school, middle grades, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's his memoir, but. Um, he uh, he talks in there about how even as a kid, like he was just he just a, was just a voracious reader. Like so, he, like his whole life, he's been a reader, and he's loved to um, he's loved the he's just loved language. You know, reading, writing that was always what he did. It was just he happened to be enormously tall and got really good at basketball. So I mean, <laughs> that's what he did. I wish I was enormously tall. I don't know though. You know, I was doing research. Like I was watching videos and stuff of him and like, right. There's like when he got the presidential medal of freedom, just standing next to Obama and Obama is not a short guy, you know, but like he just, he, he towers over everybody. And I'm sure, you know, he's 70 years old now. I'm sure he's used to it at this point, but that as a kid, you know, he talks in the book. It's like, he was six ten at 14 years old. Wow. Can you imagine? No, (laughs) Wow. That's, I mean, on top of everything else going on in your life, you're 6'10 at 14. Like, that's insane. Right. And everyone would think you were an adult for sure. He talks about that. He says, you know, when you're that tall as a kid, people treat you like an adult, even though you're not. And that, you know, that just adds another layer of difficulty to your life as a kid. Wow. Sounds like a fantastic book. I have to, Jamie was the one that got the copy and read it. So I'll have to. I'll have to pick I'll it up. I'll send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to go play that interview for you right now where he talks about the book. And stay tuned for the surprise Tom Hanks story. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> See you right after the break or right after the interview. Kareem, thank you so much for, for, for swinging by and talking with us today. It's just a just an honor to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, the new book, Becoming Kareem. It's, so it's a memoir targeted to young readers. Um, but one of the first things I noticed as I started reading it was that you don't really pull any punches or sugarcoat your experiences. You almost immediately dive into this, these discussions of, of racism and faith and social injustices. Did you feel a need to pull back because of your intended audience or did you just want to put it out there? I wanted to put it out there in a way that they could could get it so that they could see that you know they're, they're starting to be at a point where they can make their own independent decisions and they really need to to know what they're doing when when they're thinking about their future you know just that whole process so mentoring was a, a, a wonderful uh, uh, part of my life I, I was able to to learn a lot they weren't always positive messages so, you know sometimes I had an opportunity to see what I didn't want to be, mm-hmm. but uh, you, you have to uh, learn how to make those choices and uh, figure out who to follow and who not to follow, and you know, put some wisdom 
uh, in there when you're making your choices. Yeah. One of the uh, recurring themes of the book, and you, you come back to it a number of times, is how important it is to become the person that you want to be and not who someone else thinks you should be. Um, do, do you think that kids today hear that message enough? Um, they don't get the right spit on it. A lot of it comes out as, oh, I want to be different. Yeah. And uh, being different is more important than being yourself. And, uh, you know, it's a, that that's what I was referring to when I said the negative aspects of uh, peer pressure and popular culture uh, can get in there and, and, and screw things up. You can, you can screw your life up uh, making bad decisions. I, um, I think of these kids uh, that were, got caught shoplifting in, in, uh, right. in China, you know? Yeah. It's probably it will affect them the rest of their lives, you know? This is something that's going to follow them. Yeah. It, it doesn't go away, and it, it can't be, uh, you know, just dismissed. Yeah. And uh, they're going to find that out the hard way. And it's just so unfortunate. Yeah. So it's a message we need to be telling, you know, not not just to be different, but just to, to be true to yourself. Yeah. Be true to yourself. And if you want to be different, be dis- different in a distinguished way. Yeah. Don't, don't be di- different because you're the guy that got caught shoplifting. You know, <laughs> that's no way to distinguish yourself. Right. You know? That's not, not exactly the best way. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so often we hear um, that world-class talent, no matter what the discipline, whether it's sports, music, art, writing, whatever, that 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 talent is built in and it's not really something you can be taught. You have to be born with it. Um, but one of the things that really struck me while reading the book was that you're you're pretty honest about your skills when you first started out playing basketball. And that even though you had this incredible height at 14, you weren't that good. You really needed a strong coach to focus you and, and get you to practice and you need to work hard. Um, I'm just curious, you know, with your experience and the career that you had, where do you stand on that belief that, you know, when people say, oh, world-class talent, you have to be born with it. You, it cannot be taught. Uh, that's uh, not entirely true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can develop talent. Uh, and there are a lot of different ways to be talented. I, I think that's where the kids go off. If They think if they can't be uh, Denzel Washington or LeBron or Beyonce mm-hmm. uh, or Christina Aguilera, if they can't be those people, uh, you know, they're a failure. Yeah. And, you know, I want kids to understand, hey, all I have to do is pay attention in chemistry class uh, if, I, if, I have a, mm. if I have an inkling toward that, you know. Pay attention in math class. You can get a job and a career. You can do everything you want to do, live your dreams, and you don't have to uh, sell drugs or commit crimes or anything. All you got to do is understand that uh, you know, what, what happens in the classroom is, is very important. Yeah. It'll, it'll change your life. Yeah. Right. Early early in the book, you talk about your response to the Freedom Riders and how you had a different reaction than your white classmates and friends. And you say, I realized right then that changing people's minds wasn't just a matter of being right or offering evidence. I didn't know what to do about that, which made me feel helpless and useless. And that, that's pretty insightful for a young kid in, in, the six, in 1961. And it, sadly, it's a universal truth. So with that said, we have to ask have you found a way since then to change anybody's mind? Is it even possible? Yeah, it is possible. Uh, but you have to be patient. 
mm-hmm. and uh, you have to be consistent. <laughs> you know, I think that that's something uh, that a lot of kids uh, get wrong because uh, when their first effort fails, uh, they think that it's impossible, that, that they're dealing with an impossible task. It's not impossible, but it takes patience, it, it mm-hmm. takes determination, and you have to be consistent. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to change in a night. It's not going to uh, be different just because you realize the, the truth of the situation and you know want to affect change. It's going to take some time. Yeah. I mean, with with that being that understanding, now I I don't think that it's really an understatement to say that the country, you know, the United States right now, feels more divided than ever before. Certainly, at any point in my lifetime. Um, yeah. Do you think that there's a way to heal the scars and, and the wounds that we're that we have as a society, or, or are we just too far gone at this point? Are people too set in their ways? Uh, people are very set in their ways, but. Uh, I think I, I take heart from this because now we're talking about it. Yeah. Prior prior to recent times, we didn't talk about it, and we didn't have an honest discussion about it. Uh, after the event in Charlottesville, I was reassured by the response that came across from the whole country. Everybody, you know, people from all parts of the country said, that is not America, that is not what my country stands for. Uh, People who obey the law and love this country are my fellow citizens, no matter what their color or their their national origins or their religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, America, we, we do it differently here, and we accept everybody who's who's on board with what our country stands for. And and that that really reassured me because I I, I relate back to the uh, r- murder of Emmett Till. Right. When he got murdered, people were say, well, maybe he did say something to this woman. Uh, you know, maybe he was a, a, a little a thug, uh, you know, who pr- might have deserved it. And there was no discussion. The obvious racist uh, reaction of the people down there um, was was not taken into consideration at all. Yeah. And now that's that's changed. People understand uh, what it's all about with re- with regard to uh, people still fighting the civil war. It, it, right. It, People are still fighting the Civil War. They, they still feel that um, blacks should be in a, an inferior position and should not have the right to vote. Look at the voter suppression laws that are, are being enacted today mm-hmm. to keep black people from uh, enjoying the, the, uh, you know, all the rights and benefits of, of citizenship. That's still going on today. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we, we, we got work to do. Yeah, I mean, so we're talking about it, like you said, which is great, but those issues are, they're still there. They haven't been solved. You know, you, you boycotted the 1968 Olympics and many of the reasons for doing so are the same reasons that Kaepernick takes the knee, you know, and, and he's still getting, you know, it's, that's still a controversy. He's, people still don't understand right. it. I'm just curious because this was before my lifetime, but from your point of view, how do the events of the late sixties as, as tumultuous as they were, how do they compare to today? Uh, it was it was much worse then. Okay, yeah. uh, I think back to the the bombing in Birmingham mm-hmm. uh, when those four girls were murdered just because they went to church, uh, and the people in Alabama uh, they were indifferent to it. They were hostile. It took the gentleman that uh, is now running for senator. He's the one that finally brought those men to justice. Yeah, some some twenty or thirty years later. It took that long for uh, a righteous consciousness to take hold 
down there and to prosecute these people and convict them. That's that that's how you know that's how different things were. So you know, there's been a lot of progress made, but we still have a, a ways to go. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Kaepernick. So a, a huge part of that controversy, the NFL pro- protest, is that I think just a, a majority of the people who criticize it have either forgotten its true intent or, or ignoring it or they just never understood it to begin with. So, you know, it, we, you talked about how it's really hard to change people's minds, but how can we shift the focus of the conversations? Because people are claiming that it's disrespectful to one thing when that's not even what it's about. Like, how can we how can we help people understand what the players are really trying to say? We have to force these people to confront their denial because they, they're trying to make an issue of uh, disrespect to the country. And th- th- these guys don't disrespect the country. Right. They love the country. But there's something happening on an ongoing basis that needs to be dealt with and people want to ignore it. So they, they're using this uh, protest at the national anthem to call attention to a very real issue. And the people who want to say that it's disrespect, they don't want to admit that there is an issue. Mm-hmm. They think everything is wonderful, uh, and it's not. Yeah. Just recently, uh, in the past two years, they've uh, enacted, they closed down voter registration sites across the state of Alabama. 100% of the sites that were closed were uh, ones that were accessed by black Americans. Mm -hmm. 100%. They targeted black areas uh, precisely, like, like, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, they they were precisely targeted. And then they want to say that uh, there's an issue of uh, voter fraud. Mm-hmm. There have not been any successful prosecutions of, of voter fraud over the past 20 or 30 years. There's been like three or four um, prosecutions for voter fraud. It's not a, a it, it's not an issue. The reason that they're so concerned about the, all of this is because Black Americans are trying to vote now, and uh, it's going to change things, and they don't want change. Yeah. Is there hope for change, do you think? Absolutely. That, that's how President Obama got into office. It's true. People were hoping for, for positive change, and uh, he provided it. And uh, what we see now is, uh, again, another targeted event, yeah. a targeted uh, campaign to undo anything that President Obama uh, enacted because uh, they don't like uh, the fact that he was... Uh, a black American that could could whip them in a federal election. Yeah. <laughs> so and you you played twice. Oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and and his inauguration crowd was bigger. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you played you played during a different time when college athletes played the game, but they were also focusing on academics. They were students first. So today, a degree sometimes is an afterthought. Do you think the quick movement to the NBA it will hurt the young athletes? I don't think it's been a success. Okay, yeah. I, I think that it, it's hurt the NBA and it's hurt the college game. You know, the college game doesn't get a chance to keep its stars because they're moving on to get that cash. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, there's it, been a. Uh, I, I think if they raise the age from. Uh, 19 is it to, to 21 and you know say that uh, anybody with an associate's degree they can get in the nba 
but until they're 21, they have to go play in the D League. Yeah, I, I think that would, you know, that that would change things and get these guys to think about uh, doing more than just uh, leaving high school and where's my 15 million dollars? <laughs> you know, that that's the attitude they got. Now, no, I right? know, I know. But you've also written about how college athletes are often exploited and, and they should be compensated with a fair wage, especially considering, yes, yeah, how much the schools in the NCAA makes off of them. So how do you reconcile those two things? Like, how do you reconcile the idea that they should be making a lot more money, but that they should also be students? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, basketball and football, they pay for everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that the, that the athletes, the, the scholarship athletes, should be given uh, some compensation. I, I'm not saying that they should be, you know, we got to make them rich right. <laughs> or, and wealthy. But, uh, you know, the coaches, are, what are the coaches making? Six, seven million dollars? Yeah. The, head, wow. the uh, guy in charge of the uh, NC2A, he makes two and a half million dollars a year. Um, these guys are doing very well off of the labor of college mm-hmm. athletes. And the, and the athlete gets, what, room, board, and tuition. <laughs> it's a joke. It's blatant exploitation, and uh, it's like we can't do anything about it. I, I, I think uh, that that's something that really needs to change. Right, and, that, and that's considering that, you know, a majority of them don't even go on to the NBA or play professionally after, so they're, you know, they're left not getting any money at all for their, for their time, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, they just... Uh, and if you if you get injured, um, there's no insurance that uh, covers you and guarantees your mm-hmm. your scholarship. They can rescind the scholarship, yeah. uh, and uh, the only way you can collect on that insurance is if you're injured so bad that you can't play again. And people are rarely injured that bad. So uh, you know that that it, it's a sham. It's it's a total sham. Yeah. You um you benefited from so many different amazing coaches over the year in order to you know up your your game on the court, but also just to become a better a better man and a better humanitarian and a better everything that you you wanted to do. Is there a common thread among all of those coaches? I think that the really <laughs> excuse me. I think the really good ones um, were also involved in developing character. Uh, along with teaching hoops, mm-hmm. and uh, <coughs> excuse me, the ones like uh, Coach Shevsky, he he wants his guys to stay in school and graduate. You know, uh, when you see that, I I think that that's a, a a good thing to see, given the way things are now, where you know it's all about the money and it's about the business aspects of uh, of the game. Yeah. You, you know, it's it's well known that you studied martial arts and you actually trained under Bruce Lee. Um, was that discipline and the mental fortitude that you developed through martial arts and on the court in basketball, was any of that transferable to the craft of writing, which you're doing so much of now? Yeah, I think so. Just the whole uh, uh, concept of being prepared and, you know, having all your information, you know, facts, real facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Those are uh, absolute necessity. You have to be devoted and you have to uh, have the discipline to uh, make sure that uh, all of your statements are are borne out by factual evidence. Does writing come naturally to you? Yeah, I I think so. I've I've been writing since 
really since I was in grade school. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, uh, I got to c- compete in some essay contests for, for my grade school when uh, you know I was in seventh and eighth grade, and it's always something I, I enjoyed. And uh, I, I just feel very fortunate that I've had a, uh, an opportunity to have a second life as, a, as an author. I'm just curious, what ways, um, do, in what ways is it a creative release that something like playing basketball isn't? Like, what's, what itch is it scratching that you couldn't get elsewhere? Well, just, uh, you know, I, I, in my novel, I, that's a, a story about Victorian England that uh, I didn't think that the, that the British ever really realized that the, the complexity of uh, being a, a subject of the British Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of mixed that in. Um, I have one of my relatives uh, went to England, and um, my my grandfather's brother, and uh, he uh, was a doctor. He was the first uh, black person from the West Indies to uh, become a doctor. Wow. And uh, he went to Glasgow and studied there, and um, he became... Uh, his name was John Alcindor, and he was known as the Black Doctor of Paddington. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, he was a cricket player, and he probably played against Arthur Cotton Doyle at uh, Mill Hill Park. Really? There in, yeah. He, you know, wow. that's where Arthur Cotton Doyle played, and uh, my great uncle uh, was, a, was a very good uh, uh, batsman. Does that does that does that tie into your interest with with uh, Conan Doyle and and Holmes and Mycroft? No, no. I, this is something I, I found out. I just found this information. Oh, really? About, about my great uncle in the past uh, two or three years. Oh, I knew wow. nothing about it. You know, so it, this is like came in the back door. <laughs> you know? That's amazing. What are the odds, right? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> um, talk to me about the Skyhook Foundation. I, I think most people would expect. A charity that you know that you began to be somewhat sports centric, but Camp Skyhook is all about getting kids outdoors, immersed in STEM opportunities. Why did you choose to go that route? Um, uh, literacy has always been a big issue for me. You know, reading uh, is a key to to knowledge. So uh, the fact that kids aren't literate in uh, science, technology, engineering, and math is is crucial. All the good jobs in the 21st century will be connected to those subjects. So what we do, we get the kids to go up to to camp and they do hands-on STEM uh, experiments and get an idea of, you know, what's possible. Uh, We want to get to them before popular culture and peer pressure, Mm -hmm. uh, get them thinking Mm -hmm. about, uh, you know, becoming uh, Jay-Z. Uh, we want we want them to think about some other things along with that maybe we'll get some people out there that uh, have the aptitude uh, scientific you know in science technology engineering or math um, and you know I think the message is getting through you know uh, kids are starting to you know, figure it out um, we've got a four-year waiting list now Wow uh, you know so it, it, it's the, the program works. It's just, you know, we got to get the money to, to fund it, uh, you know, to get the kids up there. And uh, L.A. Unified School District helps us with staff. So, you know, if we can get the kids up, we need buses, and we need gasoline, we got to feed the kids, basically. And uh, it, it's, it's been a good program. That's great. Wow. 
So in a lifetime of achievements and undisputed records, how does the president presidential medal of freedom rank on that list? Uh, the presidential medal of freedom <laughs> was just an awesome day for me. Uh, being am- among so many people that I admired and respected. Um, I've been listening to Vince Scully since I was three years old, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm in there with him, you know, it's amazing in that sense. You know, Tom Hanks, uh, you know, Found out that uh, Tom, Tom Hanks worked at the uh, Oakland Hilton, and uh, my bag got lost one time, and he had to deliver the bag to me. Really? <laughs> no way. And I, but I, I tipped him. He said, "You know, I, you were always all right with me, Kareem. You didn't stiff me." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> small world. Right? It's a small world, absolutely. Um, yeah. The last chapter of Becoming Kareem is titled, And I Lived Happily, Sadly, Magnificently, Boringly, Piously, Crazily Ever After. Um, I love that, by the way. I think it's important for young people, especially, to realize that the journey is not always going to be smooth. It's not always going to be exciting. Sometimes it will be boring. You know, Sometimes it will be crazy or sad. I think you captured that particularly well. But what do you want kids to take away from your story? Uh, that life has so many possibilities. Uh, don't narrow your choices. Expand your choices. Look into the world with 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 some passion about what's in your heart, and then choose your path. You know, it, it's all up to you to to follow your vision and your dream. That's amazing, Kareem. Thank you so much for taking thank the time. You. We really do appreciate it. it. It's my pleasure, and and thank you for. Well, give me a shot here. I really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, you're not getting a shot with us. You've already had all your shots. <laughs> you're giving <laughs> us the you. shot at this point. <laughs> awesome. Something I was really impressed with was um, how he ta- when he talked about his foundation. You can tell to him it's not just like I'm slapping my name on something. Right. And, you know, I just want a charity. I, You know, I feel like I need to give back. But he's, you know, actively involved and he has a passion for it. And I thought that was great. The charity sounds wonderful. It, it really does. And, you know, it, I, I wasn't lying when I said, like, it seemed, you know, most celebrities, when they start a charity later in life or earlier in life, it usually mm-hmm. somewhat relates to what they're famous for, you know? Right. So you would probably assume Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's charity is going to be about basketball or sports or or, yeah or like (laughs) you know you know helping kids disadvantaged kids have the opportunities that he had to like play organized Mm -hmm. team sports or something but it's not that at all you know it's it's getting kids into the woods it's getting them outdoors it's it's teaching them stem stuff you know it's it's education and i think that's amazing because you know, when you read his books or you listen to his speeches now, especially like basketball was his life. That was what paid the bills. Mm-hmm. That's what rocketed him to stardom. That's how he's known. But the underlying um, theme under everything has always been education. And, right. you know, we talked about that, how, how athletes need to be students first. And he finished mm-hmm. his, his degree, you know, and he didn't jump to the NBA. That wasn't done when he was in college, you know, but... Um, so even now, it's all about education and making sure these kids have the opportunities on and off the court if, if, they're, if they're athletes at all. Right. So a fantastic interview. Thank you for setting it up, Jamie. Oh, my Great. pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for so showing next, up. Of course. <laughs> next week, we're having Wayne Gretzky, right? So um, Yeah, 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 I'm working yeah. on that. Okay. <laughs> 
I mean, if we had the greatest of all time for NBA, why why not NHL? Right? Sure, sure, absolutely. Tom, Tom Brady the week after. Uh, really? <laughs> That's a debate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much for coming back every single week. If you're not subscribed, make sure you hit that button. And so you can get your feed updated every single week with our new episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the GBB podcast. And I am Justin at 140 Justin C. I'm Jamie at the Roarbots. And we'll see you next time right here on the great big beautiful podcast in case you forgot the name. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.